let's talk to my dear friend from Darwin X. One, one. Can we have a recap of the previous segments we've done to date, please? Yes. Uh, so the the previous episodes of the podcast have have really been a, a build up to make a trader uh, whose uh, strategy is good, which is a prerequisite for being investable, uh, making him fully investable. Uh, and we've done that by explaining how DarwinX takes the traders under its regulatory umbrella so that investors are safe in the note that their money is safe yep. under the Financial Services Compensation Scheme Protection and also that they are dealing with a regulated asset manager and thus enjoying all the guarantees that uh, MIFID awards to retail investors. And with that prerequisite, then we've got technology that transforms a trading strategy into a new investable asset that we call a Darwin. Uh, that's what we call Darwin X, the Darwin Exchange. As a matter of fact, I mean, if, if people are curious, uh, a Darwin stands uh, is an acronym for a dynamic asset and risk-weighted investment, which is really a, a fancy word for saying it's you know it, it's a it's a, think of it as an ETF whose composition and weights change all the time as the trader chooses to enter and exit trades. Very good. Now, in doing that, we have wrapped the strategy in a black box so that. The investors are replicating the trades, but the, they don't know what they are. And that is the only way that we can safely say that we are collecting 20% of all their profits. They have no way to take mirror. the intellectual yeah. property and, and mirror outside the thing without uh, without paying you behind your back. Yeah. Then because we're also a broker that is independent from the trader, we are in a position to certify the track record in a way that is more credible than the trader could do individually. I mean, the trader could really lie. Whereas we have no incentive to lie to anyone. We are yep. more credible in the eyes of the investor. And last but not least, in the last episode, we explained the importance of uh, reassuring the investor that he knows how much he is risking. And uh, the only way to reassure the investor for him to know exactly how much he is risking is for someone independent other than the trader taking a second look at leverage. Okay, yep. that, uh, that's what we explained. And in, in this episode, we're going to explain, first of all, how we measure risk, uh, the, the ingoing risk of your uh, trading strategy. And then how do we, playing with leverage alone, transform that strategy, which has a certain ingoing risk, uh, which is different for different traders. Some, some traders are far riskier than others. And how, do, how does our automated risk management engine manage the leverage of the Darwin trades in a way such that all the strategies coming out at the other end are about as risky as the Apple stock, okay, which is a, a value at risk of 10%. Okay. Now, let's first do the, uh, the, the kind of the statistical description of a value at risk, a monthly value at risk at 95% confidence of 10%. Now, in a nutshell, what it means is an investor could buy a Darwin today. Yeah. And he could go into a desert island without internet for the next month, not checking his phone once because that's what, <laughs> that's what a desert island is for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, he, he would know that with 95% probability, his Darwin is going to do better in the next month than minus 10%. Very good. 
So when he comes back, you know, the, he, he's only got a 5% chance that his Darwin will have lost more than 10%. Understood. This also applies in reverse. So he's also got a 5% chance that his Darwin will have done better than 10%. Yep. Okay. Now, if you do some maths, you basically say, you know, 5%, that's a 1 in 20 chance. Uh, another way of saying it is a Darwin's risk is managed in a way such that it only re- loses more than 10% one month in 20. Okay. Yep. That's logical. Okay. So that's what, what, what value at risk means. Now, there are other measures of risk, and some technical guys would argue that it's, you know, some others are, are better. Mm. But the important thing about this one is it's a proper measure of risk because it, it accounts for the, the, the trinity of factors that you have to account for to properly capture risk. Okay, so there is a statement about probability, likelihood. How likely is it? It's 95% likely that you lose 10% or more. It's not 90 it's not 99, it's not 50, it's 95%. Yep. Okay, that's the statement of probability. There is a time horizon. So it's one month. It's not one trade. It's not one week. It's not a year. It's one month. And then we're giving you a threshold of risk, which is a, a 10% loss. Okay. Now, if you want to capture risk properly, you have to make a statement about all those three. So how likely is it that over a certain horizon, you lose how much? If you don't state all those three, that's pretty much useless. So when people say, hey, I I only risk 1% per trade, it's like, well, that's fantastic, right? But how many trades do you take? Yep. Because if you take 1,000, that's quite different from taking 10. Yep, absolutely. Right? Now, we're not going to go into this today, but investors should also know that they can also go to the desert island setting a stop loss and a take profit on the actual Darwin price. So if they're not confident with this 10% thing, they can do two things. A, invest less money, obviously. Yep. Uh, or B, they can set a stop loss so that, you know, if say, for argument's sake, the, la- the Darwin is listing at 100, the way the old Darwin start listing, when he leaves uh, on, on his Ethereum um, flight, he can basically have a stop loss that basically at 95 will trigger and will exit all the positions no matter what. Yep. So he's, he's got that addition certainty, but of course that comes at a price in that if the trader were to go back to 94 and then rebound to 112, you lose then out. He would, you know, he would he would also not you know regret yep. <laughs> having having done that. Okay. Now another thing about incentives is very important. We should re- uh, repeat that. So whilst the guy is in the desert island, the trader has no incentive to change his risk. Okay, and that is because he gets no cut in commissions. Yep. So he has no incentive to go on a spree of kind of overtrading to churn the cut, the, the, the the poor uh, desert islander. He only earns on the success a twenty percent share, and also there's a bunch of algos that we will be a bunch of grades that he gets in our sort of FIFA for traders game that he will ruin if he changes the way he trades. So it's really not in the trader's best interest uh, to, to do that, not to mention that he's got his own equity at risk. So he will also blow his own money. Yep. Okay. And now we get into the meat of this, which is how does DarwinX control the leverage of every trade that the trader does over that month so that the Darwin investor knows the, the odds are 10% monthly value at risk at 95% confidence. Okay. And the, the beauty in that is that that management process makes the returns for next month apples to apples comparables with every previous month for that for that Darwin, 
And also, it makes the apples to apples comparable to every other Darwin. So I'm repeating this, but basically, we've created an asset here because we've now met all the prerequisites that an intelligent investor will demand before he even considers investing in someone. Yep, sensible. Okay. Okay, so because otherwise it's just a noisy haystack, right? Where the, that investors won't approach. They they just know better than gambling their peanuts. Okay. Now we get onto how we calculate this VAR measure. Okay. Now uh, and. And also, as we go along, we're going to compare it with partial measures of risk that people are very used from sort of money management to hope, hopefully convince them that this is a, indeed a proper uh, way of, of doing it. So the way to build up from a trade to a one month of trading is going to be, we're going to start with the risk of one trade. Yep. Then we're going to talk about the risk of a position, yep. which is what happens when you have more than one trade at any given point in time in your account. Yep. And then we're going to talk about all the positions that you take in a month. That's going to build up from, from you know, to, to understand that measure of risk we've given our, our investors. So that, that's the strategy, right? So you're, you're reviewing the, the, what somebody's done over the month. Correct. So we, we, we review what somebody's done over the entire history. And yeah. then on the basis of that, we're projecting forward for the next month to, to basically say, how risky is this? Okay, very okay. good. So let's start and, with the trade. Yeah, so... I start with a trade, and, and I'm going to come up with a question. So, how many times have you heard from people, "I risk one percent of my capital on every trade"? Just about everybody says that. Just, just about everybody says that. Okay. Now, here's the question: Which is more likely? If you trade one-to-one -one leverage with a stop loss at one percent of equity, so that's risking, you know, one percent of your of your equity. Yeah. Or maybe if you trade ten-to-one leverage. Yeah. With a stop loss at 0.1% of the equity. So which stop loss? Are they, are they, are they both equally likely to, hit, to be hit? Uh, no. Okay. The, the leverage position is more likely to be hit, right? Correct. That's exactly right. So which is riskier? The leverage position. No question. Yeah. So it's, it's more likely that in both cases, you lose 1% if it's hit. But if you reduce to, this, to the absurd, if you go for a 1,000 to 1 leverage and 0.0001%, you've basically, you know, you're risking, you're not risking 1% per trade. You've basically just guaranteed that you're going to lose 1% of your account. Yep. Right. So, I mean, this is a lesson for people uh, that stop losses are not a free lunch. Okay. So you're paying a certain amount of extra probability to ensure yourself that your outcome will not be worse than, say, X 1%. But at the same time, you're making it more likely that that actually happens. Yeah, that's agree with that. Okay, so and it's a pretty bad trade-off because it's not linear. So the the one percent loss at ten to one leverage is far more likely. The odds are not. It's not just like ten times as much. It's far more far likelier to be hit than the other one. Yeah. Okay. So. You know, my question to this hypothetical trader who goes, I risk 1% of capital on every trade. It's like, okay, mate, so how many trades do you, put, do you place a month, right? And I don't really care about what you do in a given trade. I'm going to go into my island for a month. So what could happen to me if I go there? Now, that, like 1% of my, my risk per trade, that's not a complete proper measure of risk, right? Yeah, couldn't agree more. Okay. So the second question, let's say our trader goes, okay, I always trade 5 to 1 leverage. Mm-hmm. Now, but what do you trade? Do you trade euro dollar or do you trade cable? Because is five to one euro dollar leverage as risky as five to one cable leverage? 
Um, I'm guessing that cable's more volatile from the top of my head. Yeah, it's something like 40% more volatile. So five to one leverage on euro dollar is about equivalent. To, uh, if you're trading five to one leverage in cable, that's equivalent to like seven to one uh, leverage in euro dollar. Right. Okay. So cables. Can, so what we're saying is here, okay, is that the measure of risk, okay, dep is dependent on what you're trading. So the, the measure of risk, really, I mean, there's two ways. I'm going to jump ahead in the in the explanation, but to take things away. So the measure of risk is how volatile is your account? Yep. So your account, if you trade a five to one leverage trade in the euro dollar, is five times as volatile as the euro dollar. Yep. Now, we could calculate the value at risk of the euro dollar. We could say, if I go into a desert island and don't watch the euro dollar for a month, and yep. I, you know, I do take... And any number of observation of euro dollar months, of which there's quite a few, I could say, what is the fifth worth, uh, like the fifth worst out of every hundred um, euro dollar months, what is the fifth worst thing? And that is my 95% VAR. Yeah. Okay. So if I always trade euro dollar with five to one leverage and I, you know, and I go for a month as a trader, then my VAR is five times the euro dollar VAR, right? Yep. Okay. So we kind of getting there. And uh, you've realized that we're, we're introducing also a measure of, of, of time in, in this thing. But we have to also account for the fact that different assets have different volatility. Yep. Couldn't agree okay. more. So, so you, you would be, uh, the, the VAR of the of cable is 40% higher than your dollar. So whatever leverage you're putting in has to account for the fact that it's already 40% more volatile than your dollar. Okay. Understood. Okay. Now, what happens also if you, in addition to trading euro dollar, you go say, I'm going to go for a month and I'll place a three to one euro dollar trade and uh, long and a five to one euro Norwegian kroner short. Yep. So now it's getting kind of devilishly complicated to speak a common language of account volatility, right? So we're, you know, if, if we met in a bar at 3 a.m. in the morning and we had a few drinks, it's like, Jesus Christ, I don't know who's risking more than, than uh, of the two of us, right, Moose? <laughs> yeah, no, that's I, – I wouldn't know the answer. I wouldn't know the answer to that because you'd have to look back, wouldn't you? You'd have to look back and you'd have to account for two things. You'd have to account for the volatility of the currency yep. in isolation. And also you'd have to look at the correlation of the volatilities of the, the, the currencies you're trading taken as a, as a combination. And you'd have to look into the independent weights – of your trade into each of the currencies. Yep. Okay. Now, we've come up with a solution to this, and we call that deleverage. Okay. So, which is a measure of so trade that's level. D, D for David, deleverage. No, D for Darwinix, Darwinix leverage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that measure unifies or uh, kind of um, simplifies this discussion by normalizing the volatility of your account into multiples of euro dollar volatility so to give you an example if you trade uh your account with five to one leverage in the euro dollar your darwin leverage is five okay if you trade it with five to one leverage in cable your darwinx leverage is something like seven okay because of the 40 percent excess volatility of cable over euro dollar okay got that and if you're and if you're trading euro dollar and Norwegian kroner, you know, with in different directions with with different uh, um, leverages, then the engine calculates for you to tell you, okay, your account right now is 
four times as volatile as the euro dollar. You can forget, you know, there's mumbo jumbo. The the machine does much better. Okay, than you. so the machine basically works out the historical volatility. Yep. So now we've we've got a common measure for how volatile our account is right now. Yeah. Okay. So that makes they, sense. So our account has a deleverage of five. Right. Now here's the second dimension. So which is more risky? A uh, five to one deleverage trade for one hour, or a five to one leverage trade for one month? Uh, what is more volatile? Um, well, what, you know, what which is more uncertain? Which outcome is more uncertain? Well, it's got to be the one month, right? Anything could happen. Anything could happen over one month, correct? So. The, we've now captured the two measures that you have to really take into account to understand the risk of your account. It's how volatile is it at any given point in time? Yeah. And then for how long does it stay in the market at that volatility? Okay. Because if you think about it, it, once you've normalized the risk of the position, trading is about that. It's, it's a series of exposures to the market with a certain volatility and a certain duration in time. Yep. In our example of I trade one-to-one -one the euro dollar and I go away for a month, that's basically a one-month exposure of deleverage of one. And the machine can simulate what could happen if you do that so that you basically work out the 95 percentile probability of it. Okay. So now we take a, you know, Moose's strategy over the last month was five, five, um, five uh, trades of deleverage of five-to-one, of, of five, uh, for three hours each. So I could basically tell the machine, okay, simulate the outcome of a five-hour, five-to-one deleverage trade. And that will tell me, okay, plus minus, say, 2%. Yeah. Now, conditional on the first trade, you then take the second trade and say, again, simulate the outcome of my second five-to-one leverage trade for one hour. And then I've got a, a, a complete distribution of everything that could have happened in those two trades. Right. And then I keep going. So conditional what happened over the first two trades. And then you do my third, you, you know, I'm doing my your third trade. Yep. I, I'm simulating, like I'm drawing, you know, tens of thousands of random experiments with my, for my machine to, to understand what could have happened. And then after I've done my five simulations, I've got all the range of possible outcomes of what could have happened in these five five to one leverage for for one hour trades. Okay. Well, that is the range of probabilities that my investor needs to know before he goes away to his island. Okay. Okay. And then what is value at risk? Well, I read off if I generated, say, 100,000 scenarios for this the, these compound five trades, then I go and I look at the 90, I rank order them by outcome. And I go to the 95,000 uh, scenario and that will basically say minus 10 percent okay, okay. Out, of the, yep. out of the 100 100 scenarios yeah uh, there were 5,000 which were worse than 10 percent yeah and there were 95,000 that were better than minus 10 percent okay Therefore, my value at risk is 10 percent right got it okay well that was an that was an easy podcast well, I mean, I, I encourage everybody to to think of it again, but it builds up in, in the – I mean, we've given them the intuition. You yep. have to account for the volatility of the account at any point in time, and then you have to account for how long it stays in the market with that volatility. Yeah. Because the more volatility you've got, the more risk, and the longer you hang on to any given volatility, the more risk. So if you think of a, of a graph with the two axes where one is deleverage, 
and the other one is time. You can plot all your positions in a month yeah. in that. And uh, any machine with certain, uh, you know, given the right parameters of the volatility of the euro dollar can simulate the range of outcomes for those trades. Okay. So in summary, all right, I can safely go onto my desert island for a month knowing that you guys are managing the risk of the trader who's unlikely to change his strategy because he'll be deducted points effectively for changing his style. If, if you're an investor, yes, that's what you get out of this. But more importantly, even if you're a trader, what you get out of this is you stop saying, I risk 1% of my capital per trade, which yep. is, is making, look, making you look like a fool, unfortunately, with us, an intelligent investor. Yep. And you, you can go tell the guy, well, somebody other than me has measured the historical value at risk of my strategy, and it is 15%. Yeah. Okay? okay, and that way people really know how much they stand to lose, and you'd be surprised how many people think you know they know how much they're risking, but don't don't really. Yeah, so. Right, and that report, okay, that can be downloaded from the system, can it, to give to a potential investor? Well, it's actually better the because you could fudge it on the way to the investor. The inv you can tell the investor the the ticker for your uh, for your Darwin, and he can look it up on Darwin X. Yeah, got it. So that way is is fully safe from your fudging. Wonderful. Which makes it more, more credible. Wonderful. Okay. Now, we, we've talked about how to measure the risk of the strategy. So let's say what happens if a trader, uh, if we do this whole mambo jumbo, and the number that comes out is 25% value at risk. So how do we get the trader from 25% to 10%? Yeah, go on. Well, we take whatever leverage he's taking normally and divide it by you know, the, the ratio of 25% over 10% by two and a half. Yeah. So if you've got a 25 to one leverage trade, then Darwin X on behalf of the investors will place a 10 to one leverage trade. And that way, the investors, you will continue to have your own 25% value at risk, but the investors will have a 10% value at risk. Right, got it. Okay, that's when you open any given trade. And then, of course, we, we've talked about the importance of time. So if you, for whatever reason, start, start to hang on uh, for, for positions longer than you normally do, that is, all other things equal, increasing the risk of your strategy. So whether you want it or not, there'll be a risk adjustment whereby the risk management engine is gradually closing off some of the trades that investors placed tracking you, even if you haven't done so. Got it. Okay, and that, by the way, will eat into your risk management grade. So, you know, if you had a 10 out of 10 before you, you ha the, the machine had to intervene, then the machine will intervene and charge you by lowering your risk grade, which is the, the, the incentive you've got to not do what you've just done. Got it. Right. I've run out of time, Juan. Yeah, this was a bit of a kind of hairier one, but I think we've done a reasonable job of uh, explaining that. Uh, yeah. We would be very glad if people asked us questions. We will also, in the notes of this episode, post an entire webinar devoted how to how we calculate VAR with uh, illustrations and so on, which yeah. makes it easier. So hopefully, uh, having listened to this one, people now understand exactly how we've made their Darwin an investable asset. And the next the next episode is about what tools do we give an investor to find the needle in the haystack. Because the fact that all Darwins now have the same risk doesn't mean they're any good. Now, now the, the investor has to find the, the ones that really return on capital. We have now guaranteed return of capital, but of course you have to make more than that. Yeah, got it. All right, mate. Okay. 
Happy Easter. I'll give you a shout next week. Okay, take care.